Welcome to Safety Lost with your host, Stanley Ching. All right, everyone, welcome to the second or third, depending on when I post this, but uh, one of the earlier episodes of Safety Lost. Today, we have Chris on the on the phone, on the mic. Uh, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. Um, my name's Chris. I'm based in Toronto, um, Toronto in Canada. I am a young professional living in the city, um, classic Asian-American dream, living the dream. And uh, yeah, I'm friends with Stanley, and he said he wanted to talk about Asian-American media today. So here I am. You know what? I'm not sure if this is like an... Um an American or Canadian thing, but I've, I don't think I've ever heard another Asian um, in Sydney introduce themselves as a young professional. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's quite a title. Oh, well, like, uh, I feel like it's, it's a bit of a self-deprecating sort of statement because like, I don't know the fact that I'm coming here talking about like Asian American art and like, just, I feel almost as a bit of a poser, just being, um, you know, like a corporate slave, just going oh, into the office. It, and then, yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you, you know, what's also really interesting, and, I, and I've said this to you before, but when it comes to uh, media, so when I'm listening to the radio or uh, podcast or television, and I hear an American accent or a Canadian accent, it feels very normalized because that's that's the only accent you really hear on television. Even in Australia, like a lot of our media is dominated, for better or worse, by Canadian or in particular American uh, media. <laughs> but when I hear it you know face to face or when we talk you know online or when when you know i'm talking to an american person or a canadian person in real life it's so jarring it's so like immediate <laughs> yeah and and it's similar sort of deal for for me like i obviously most of my exposures with, with the with the north american accent but just and but you think that you know hearing a commonwealth accent or, or an australian accent would be totally fine but I do find I have to focus a little bit more in order to full. It just doesn't not always fully picks up all everything. So, so, so for example, do you find my accent? Um, uh, I guess it, it's harder to interpret. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, more like if, for example, you're, I listened to your first episode and if, if it was done in an American accent, I feel like I wouldn't get lost. But, you know, if I'm brushing my teeth, my mind wanders and suddenly I have to like backtrack 30 seconds because mm, I lost it. myself. Yeah, got yeah. It, got it. Um, I don't have that problem with the American accent when it comes to like media. And I think once again, it's just purely up to exposure. Uh, but I do have a question uh, like I want to ask. So you're from mm -hmm. Canada. Yeah. Uh, there's a place in Canada called Quebec, which yes. has uh, a huge French population. Yes. Is there ever any attention between the French population and the, uh, I guess, the English-speaking population? And can you speak, like, do, do Canadians just learn to speak French because of Quebec? Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, wow, this is a, this is a bit of a loaded, this is like a pretty big question, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, so first of all, yes, there is a pretty big tension. Um, Quebec is pretty proud of its of its French culture, its French heritage. And the majority of people outside of metropolitan Quebec, I would say largely are French speakers. Mm -hmm. And the rest of Canada is quite resentful of having to, so in for rest of Canada public education, you have to take French from fourth grade to ninth grade. Mm -hmm. So, and the rest of Canada is quite resentful of having to learn the Seussless language. 
But it's uh, but French sounds so cool. I'm like really jealous that <laughs> yeah. that like it's in the education system. Yes, yes, and like that's that's the thing. I imagine like if that's the thing, it's so easy to learn French if you actually care, if you actually like put in the work. So I'm actually so I'm a funny case. I actually had C's and C's in Canada are like sixty to sixty nine. I had C's in French up until the ninth grade when um, I went to Quebec for a summer to do like a summer camp. And then I suddenly discovered like confidence in French and they kept on going mm -hmm. back to Quebec and I started doing better and better. And then, um, yeah. So like at this point I am, I, I, I it's quite rusty, but I would say I'm, I'm pro professional fluency in, <laughs> in French. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's, there are so many resources to learn French in Canada if you want to, but this really sad thing is that most people don't want to. So that's such a shame. And, and I think that's like, um, that's quite common in Anglo speaking countries. Oh, yes. No, you yes. mean Anglo countries, not Anglo speaking countries, um, where English is so dominant uh, culturally, internationally, that, um, that people just don't feel like they need to learn it. So, like, I have other friends. I have, for example, I have a Tunisian friend. Uh, she knows French, she knows Arabic, she knows English. I have another friend that lives in Germany. Um, and the same thing, you know, German, English, and I think she knows another language. So they're a lot more multilingual in comparison mm -hmm. to uh, Anglo-Saxon countries. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, like it reminds me of like a, an old European joke where they're like, oh, you know, if you speak three languages, you're trilingual. If you speak two languages, you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're English. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, uh, yeah, th there is some truth in that. But uh, hey, before we before we jump onto our actual topic, mm -hmm. um, can you say something in, in French? Oui, je veux parler. Bah, bah. What, what do you want me to say in French? Mm, okay, can you say um, the uh, the weather's really nice and uh, it might rain later? Maintenant, il fait beau, mais peut-être il va il va pleurer un peu plus tard. Ah, one day I'm going to learn French. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. One day, like one day, it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the the topic at hand, which is Asian art. So, uh, let me just give a quick uh, preface to why I I wanted to do this topic and, and why you know it's pretty important to me. Mm -hmm. um, I I think and and then afterwards, obviously, let, let's get your opinion. Um, there's two reasons that comes to my mind. Firstly, I think. And I'm sure a lot of other uh, minority people face the same thing. Uh, when you don't really have much representation, or you don't really see yourself in media or in politics or in you know any field, any field that's widely accepted, uh, there's a tendency to look at one's like ethnic or religious representation on media, and there's almost like a sense of you know attachment or investment in that so i think on a practical level i think what was shown in the media uh, about me or you know about other minorities religious or ethnic or, or whatever or social class like there is a sense of that is how other people see me because that's the uh the image that gets repeated a lot um so on one on one hand i mean just from a practical level i guess it impacts people people like me and you know other people around the world uh on the other hand uh some and this is what also interests me as an English and history teacher, I think studying art is one of the best ways to understand a society because 
art is inherently produced by society and by the people in society who obviously like you know they just uh they take in the social values or you know the historical uh i guess just the history behind a society and their art is often a reflection of that so i think it's really interesting to chart the changes in art and what that's saying about a certain community and obviously being asian uh that's this is a community i i obviously i'm quite invested in but i also feel like i understand why the art has changed or remained the same so I guess I'll throw it over to you. Like what, you know, because you just from what I've seen, like you've written uh, articles on this and uh, you know, you, we've talked about this before. Why were you interested in, in art or in particular art from an Asian lens? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you nailed, you nailed a lot of it. And you also, the, the part about the change in, in art was something I really hadn't even considered. So that, that was, that was a big one. Um, for me, I think my, honestly, my, I'm, I, I was a big reader growing up and got into movies maybe like a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. I think up until recently, my favorite pieces of art were all in the tradition of dead white men, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I love Fitzgerald. Can you give me an example? Yeah. Like, um, Fitzgerald, like, Mm -hmm. uh, the side of paradise is like one of my favorite books, like, Mm -hmm. um, and or like in terms of movies, like like the before trilogy, I love like, that trilogy, right? And, and like it's all just like white people, and like and that was like fine for me. Like I I never like I grew up in a largely Asian American community, and so I never really felt uncomfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. And um, but once again, with with the advent, actually, Australian mentioned crazy, uh, not crazy, but subtle Asian traits, mm-hmm. and um, with which really got me thinking about sort of this like sort of pan Asian identity a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then that coincided with crazy rich Asians and just mm-hmm. all of these things sort of a- a- all happening at once. led me to kind of reflect a little bit more about, about Asian art, what it means, why it's important. There's more of it. Um, so I guess one, one criticism um, that I've heard a lot about the sort of, I mean, Obviously, on social media, you see a lot of like very far right or left perspectives. And this a very far left perspective is like, oh, you know, why is representation so important? It's mm-hmm. just studios realizing that they can make monies off minorities as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is like true to a certain extent. But just I also think like these some of these things aren't necessarily for me who grew up like in an ethnic enclave. Right. It's it's like for the. I, I'm, I don't necessarily have an Australian example, but like the, the Asian kid who's the only one in his class in Midwest, like Oklahoma or something. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and like seeing, oh, there are other Asian people and like, you know, in subtle Asian traits and like, or they see crazy rich Asians and they see Asians portrayed in a different way. And they can see, um, and other people in that community can also see Asians portrayed in a way that's not just Ken John doing whatever Ken John's doing or, or, yeah, or monolithic. Exactly, exactly. So I think, I think it is important. Obviously it's, um, having that be the end all be all and like, yay, capitalism is going to come and save us is like, oof, a little, oh yeah, a little too convenient, I would say, but like, I, I think it definitely is important. And, and like you said, the idea of how changing representation rep- is about like, it shows how society as a whole is changing and perspectives on Asians inside are changing, I think is, is a very good point too. Mm. And 
And um, this is actually, uh, I guess, a talking point that I heard from another podcast, which I felt was really interesting. And I guess I'll just recite it here. Um, they brought up this issue of Simulu, who we can talk about later, um, <laughs> which the big question, Chris, why are you not a fan of Simulu? But I will, I will we'll get to that. We'll get to that afterwards. But uh, uh, Simu Lu, um, for anyone who doesn't know, he's an actor in um, what's it, Kim's Convenience, mm-hmm. and uh, he got casted as Shang Chi in a new Marvel film, I think. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Good. And he, um, and the podcast said, okay, so obviously he's breaking stereotypes he's breaking the mold he's an asian who's like you know the main protagonist so this is you know this is pretty important in terms of like i guess the history of asian actors or asian media in the west almost like crazy rich asians in some ways you could say was somewhat of a turning point um on the other hand um the the question that was brought up is what happens for example if if uh simulu in this film is very pro-military or you know very militaristic or you know, like uh, supports some ideas which are, you know, maybe not that progressive or maybe not that, um, uh, I, I don't know what, what another word is, kind, I guess, um, mm-hmm. not that progressive. Mm-hmm. Like, does that, does that, you know, like, does that contradict um, the, the push towards equality or whatever? Like, just because it's got an Asian face on it, does that necessarily mean it is by nature better? Uh, so, um yeah, like, like I, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? And and then I'll add after that, uh, what are your thoughts on Shang-Chi? Like, have you watched the trailers and stuff? Yes, yes. Wow, I, I love this. So w- the first talking point is more on um, how this big, this sort of big Asian reveal and if, if he, God forbid, missteps or this role portrays, he, he has negative sort of views or actions in this role, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really big. I think this is... Um... Wait, sorry, can, can I just interrupt yeah, you yes. there for one second? And, and for, uh, for just to elaborate on, on my point is in Shang-Chi, he, from what I know, he actually fights his like father who's like almost a caricature, Fu Manchu of like, you know, the predatorial Asian. So yes. if he is yes. like, you know, if he fights his father and he beats, you know, the predatorial Asian, uh, the Asian dad or the, you know, the Asian figure... And he does it through, like, you know, coming out and, you know, being very militaristic or, or, or whatever. Like, does that, you know, is that necessarily a win for the community? I, I guess, does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Um, those are, okay, yes. So I actually had a lot of thinking about this point, too. Um, but so let's start with the, with, with the first point. I guess it's, it's now you can see it's more of a tangent. But the idea of, um, I've, I've been thinking a lot that I, I have too high expectations for for Asian American media in that I generally expect the piece or the actors to be they have to be flawless and tell the entire Asian American story because there's so few of it there's so little of it and we we need more investment in it and um, recently I've I've just tried to convince myself that it's really not fair to have this sort of expectation like I'm watching like Minari or Tiger Tail and like they were like phenomenal movies but at the same time I like I felt like they could have been better they just felt like Oscar bait with like Asian people and, really? and e- even uh, even Minari I loved Minari okay okay yeah amazing 
like but, but uh, that, that's go, what I mean. Yeah. I, I think maybe like my, my expectation is like way overblown. Like mm-hmm. they're just it's just the act. It's the director. It's the writer just telling their own story, right? They, mm-hmm. they never claim to speak for all Asians living in America. It's not. It's not. They don't want to capture the whole Asian American immigrant experience. They're just they're just telling their own story. Yeah. And in in that sense, I think um, it, once again, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think. This is something that I, I, I and maybe other people have to contend with in terms of this is one piece and hopefully what will become a collection of Asian American media and that these should be held to this unrealistic standard. Whereas mm-hmm. like, whereas like, you know, move, more traditional mainstream movies, they can tell any one singular aspect of the story with nuance and no one's going to expect them to encapsulate the whole American absolutely. experience, right? I, I, absolutely, and I think this is. Uh, I think the reason behind that, unfortunately, is there are just so few um, Asian media. I, I guess Asian media in the West, American, Asian American. I think that's what you called it. Um, media yes. in in the West, and because of that, each each example becomes uh, almost representative, fortunately or unfortunately. And, and I'm sure, for example, you've been called Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan, and you know, I love Bruce yeah. Lee, I love Jackie Chan, but the reason these nicknames or these stereotypes stuck was because there was nothing to challenge a very monolithic uh, media stereotype or representation. So unfortunately, you know, whether Simulu actually comes out and he wants to champion himself as the representative of Asian media or, you know, or Asians in the West, etc. Unfortunately, whether he does it or not, I think he will get that treatment regardless and right. i don't think it's fair no no it's it's definitely not and um yeah yeah um i guess like onto onto your point about the um yeah so your, your second point was really another friend actually brought it to my attention and i it like kind of clicked what was wrong with um with what I, the biggest problem i saw with, with the with the shang chi trailer and that like the way the way we discussed it was um, and it, once again, this could have been once lifted from whatever you saw it from was that it seemed like it was like the good Asian versus the bad Asian, like like in in the Fu Manchu example, or like like Tony Lung seems to be playing the cosmopolitan mega city like nouveau rich Chinese, whereas whereas Simu Liu's like you know the the guy in America who's like who's just like doing doing his own thing. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. you know, he goes to uni, he, you know, he, uh, he rides a beaten down car, sort of average Joe, Asian American. Right. right. And, and, and yeah, I think this is like a really good point. I'm, I'm glad, I, I'm glad it struck you as well, because I think it's like, this is a, it, there's a degree of nuance here, which I don't necessarily think this movie's like equipped it to, to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, I think it's okay to have a, it's difficult. It's difficult because, like, I don't know about about how it is in Australia or how it was for you, but growing up, I think there in a mostly Asian community, there was still um, a very strong desire among the, uh, I guess we consider ourselves Canadian-born Chinese, like CBC, but for the like the foreign-born Chinese or the, or the one point five, the the, the two, generation twos, to differentiate themselves against the people who come later, against the we would in a rather derogatory sense, call them fobs, but, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and like, we, you know, we are not like them. We are not Chinese, Chinese. We are, we are Westernized. We are X, Y, and Z. And we, yeah. and, and I think, 
I mean, I hope this sort of um, this sort of straight this sort of differentiation no longer persists. But I feel like it it still does to 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 a certain extent, and mm -hmm. this will this further sows this discord, right? Because you have I don't know, in like even going to college and being I'll just say Can uh, Canadian Chinese and seeing um, like international students come in, and then you know sometimes they have money, sometimes they're dressed loudly in brands. And like, I think as I grew through the college experience, I became less and less intolerant. And like, yeah, I, I realized that, yeah. But I think there were still many people who were like, no, these are not us. They are just rich, nouveau rich Chinese. Oh my gosh, they're they're embarrassing us. And I think this movie sort of exploits that divide almost. It, it, interesting. Um, that that's that's a really interesting point. Um, and actually talking about this, uh, you know, us and them mindset. This idea that hey, we are better because our accent is uh, more mainstream, more streamlined mm -hmm. when when it comes to speaking uh, English. Uh, I I actually felt the that exact same way in high school. I remember I went to a school uh, where there was I guess a lot of uh you you know white people Europeans. Um, and when I was walking to the bus stop and we come across another school, um close by which had a lot more asians when i was young and you know i was pretty regretful of it at the time and uh, right now i'm pretty regretful of it but you know i was 16 uh part of me whether that was classist because i went to a private school or uh racial or something of the you know a combination of both there was a tendency for me to almost like look down or you know distance myself away from as you said and it's it is a slur the fobs uh, mm -hmm. because I was better, you know, because my accent was smoother, because I could, I don't know, watch Simpsons without subtitles or whatever stupid reason it was. Like, mm -hmm. there was this desire to um, brand yourself as high on the hierarchy. Uh, but what's interesting, and, you know, I'm not even sure if we have time to talk about this, because there's so many topics when it comes to this, uh, to, to this field, because I think it's relatively unexplored. Um, what, what, what's interesting is, I find nowadays the younger generation, um, there is almost, um, there is a lot more pride in being Asian in, in something that I would say the old, slightly older generation, you know, if I were to include myself in that, um, we didn't have. And I think part of the reason is a lot of Asians in, in Sydney, in Melbourne, in uh, New York or in uh, Vancouver, they, mm -hmm. they look towards Asia as a as the hub of asian entertainment and i think a lot of the older asian stories whether it's um uh the only one i can think of is like joy luck club or even some of the older wong fu stuff which mm -hmm. were quite assimilationist so uh to anyone listening out there just the idea of like you know fitting in into society and doing doing it you know to ensure positive results um i think that's almost been replaced somewhat because of just the explosion in manga or whether it's k-pop or k-dramas i feel like a lot of asians look towards asia as really the point of um uh, i guess a point of cultural identity and you know before i throw it over to you and just looking at how the transition of art happens a lot of the newer art whether it's uh, crazy rich asians tiger tail and I'm, I'm sure i'm missing a lot more um these these or even you know just k-pop and stuff a lot of these these art these stories are about actually returning to asia juxtaposed mm -hmm. to really finding 
an identity in in the West. So uh, yeah, I, I know I know I threw a lot at you, but what are your reactions? Yeah, um, like I've had. Well, long story short, my my relationship with my sort of Asian American, I, I use Asian American for lack of a better term, but I, I totally extends Australia as well. Like a, Asian Western um, identities mm-hmm. is largely like I grew up in an ethnic enclave, never really questioned my race or 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 never even considered racism. Went to a predominantly white college, was like, oh, oh racism does exist in certain places, mm-hmm. and then um, I went to and then like. Uh, I spent a summer in in Shanghai, and then like I started learning to read and write Chinese a lot more, and then became more immersed in this sort of stuff. And um, sorry, where was it going? Yes. Yeah, so, in terms of that, I think it's based on my current reflections. I think it's kind of it's almost. I I think it's good that Asians have an Asian sort of homeland to turn to. That's producing high quality content that mm-hmm. is a developing place. Um, sorry. A, yeah. A place that is well-developed now, I guess. And um, that is a, can be a source of pride, but at the same time, I really want to see some sort of, like you mentioned, like, like an Asian American identity emerge. That's not just, um, not just offshoots at, of, of the Asian, Asian stuff. I like, and I have nothing against, the entire Korean pop culture. I have nothing against manga. I have nothing against on Well, some of the Chinese films of late haven't, haven't been that great, but like, honestly, Ch- Chinese cinema is still pretty great. Hong Kong cinema is pretty great. Like I have nothing against that, but I, I do want to see, like, I, I look at a lot of the other, once again, this is not an us versus them sort of issue, but just for lack of a comparison, I look at, I look at the other ethnic minorities in um in in north america and you see like you know you see african-american culture you see like latino culture like they all have really strong culture really like there's really cool stuff coming out they have great art that's not defined on i mean there's some pan-africanism there's some back to africa but like it's uniquely african-american it's uniquely latino it's uniquely american and mm-hmm. in, in not in something that's very detached from their home cult, culture. And um, yeah, I, I don't know where I stand with it, but I think it's, I think to a certain extent, it can be a little bit crippling if, um, if, well, do you think, do you think this, um, for example, let's just take African-American culture because uh, I just, I listened to an obscene amount of hip hop when I was younger. So I, I'm a little more well-versed in that. I would you say this is true. And uh, you know, once again, just keep in mind, being in Australia, I'm very far away from, uh, I, I guess, the origins of African American uh, culture or art. Uh, but would you say that one reason the uh, African Americans were able to, you know, produce such uh, unique art is, you know, firstly, they were there, I, I guess, longer for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like they've assimilated, I guess, you could say, more. And secondly, could you say that because Asia is quite wealthy or you know it, it is it's fairly wealthy right now especially east asia um it's quite easy to almost fall back into that because they are it is it is a continent that is producing a lot of art and at a at a greater pace um and you know on the other hand if you were african-american it might be harder to 
I guess, fall back to African art, which doesn't have, I guess, the same production value, you know, in my opinion, uh, or the same, you know, the quantity or the same economic um, support behind Asian, especially East Asian art. So do you think there's almost like a contextual historical economic reason why Asians are, you know, for example, falling back to K-pop, which is, you know, becoming really, really big or, you know, uh, K-dramas or, you know, uh, anime or something in a way that, you know, Latinos or uh, I guess African-Americans are not. Yeah, no, I agree. There are like, there are a multitude of reasons that I think like African-American, well, once again, I hate to just use that singular example, but like, yeah, African-American art is so much more developed. I think like there's African-Americans have been in America for much longer. The population is much larger. There's a sort of shared sense of trauma. And like, I'm not saying, oh no, if we had the shared sense of trauma, it would, things would be a lot better. But um, like, there's, there's all these reasons, but, and it makes, mm-hmm. it makes, it makes a lot of sense, but I just, I would really like to see a similar sort of thing for Asian-American art. And, well, so so, where do you think where do you think the the art will move towards? Like, um, do and and I'm once again I'm lifting things off the uh, off another podcast or an article that I read or listened to previously, and something that um, this magazine or this podcast said was they really wanted Asian art to move beyond what they called like the stinky tofu story, which is, you know, you're a five year old kid, you, you you come from you know Kyoto, and then you bring tofu and people laugh laugh at you. You know, I mean, that's a pretty common experience amongst minorities. Um, and like, so are you like, where do you think Asian art will move towards? And like, what sort of hope, what, what idea do you want it to embrace? If you're talking about like, you do, you want um, Asian American or Western Asian art to be more unique or developed? Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent question. Like, once again, I actually don't know where, where it, w- it would have to necessarily go. And I, I see your point where like, a lot of the Asian American storytelling right now is based on the fact that, oh, people were racist to me and this was bad. And like, once again, this is a very valid story, but um, like, I think that's what one end of the spectrum right now. And and the other end of the spectrum is like something like Ishiguro where like he's, he's, he's Japanese living in the UK, I think. And his stories are for large part, his most, his more popular stories are actually quite English. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're is this the very... book writer. Is yes. This yes. Like okay. never let me go remains of the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're like, if you scrubbed his, his Japanese name off, it, you could have, you know, imagined it was like Anthony Hopkins writing or something. And, and, um, I think like though that's, those are like the bookends of the spectrum. And I, I think like in between, I think there is room to maneuver where, where, where you don't have to be, where, not everything the artist does has to be necessarily tinged or has to focus on this Asian identity, but it, mm-hmm. it's tinged with it to a certain extent. And mm-hmm. I think, and, and, uh, and uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's why I love Minari because to me, it, I guess there was touches of the Asian identity. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, you know, if, if people listening have never heard of Minari, uh, highly recommended one of my favorite films. Um, I actually think it was better than, uh, uh, Nomadland, uh, but anyway, regardless, uh, great film, and it's about a Korean family that moved to America. But one thing I really liked about it, and and what, and I'm sure we share the same opinion. This is not to say films like you know Crazy Rich Asians, uh, which are more centered on the Asian identity, are not useful. But 
to me, like Minari was about like a family and, and like really about the father finding, you know, a purpose. Um, and the Asian aspect was just another part of it, but wasn't the main part of it. And I guess I appreciate it. Um, it was an, a piece of Asian art or Western Asian art that wasn't just centered about being Asian or, you know, the stinky tofu story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's a really good um, point that I didn't that I didn't actually think about. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely that's definitely that's definitely something I was like going for. Like, and just in terms of Asian American artists, like even in like I don't know, like like in music, you have like you have a few coming up. You have I don't know who do we have in music? Eighty eight rising. We got Joji. Um, <laughs> we have uh, who else? Uh, Rich Brian. Yeah, and um, well, I mean, Higher Brothers are pretty, pretty Asian, Asian, but yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. There, there's music. You have Nikki. <laughs> uh, who else? I'm, I'm just listing everyone off. Eighty Eight Rising. <laughs> no, but like, even like, I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about like, like, in 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 the culinary space, if if you consider that art, like, you, Eddie Huang is pretty Asian. He's like, he that's uh-huh. part of his. Yep. That's pretty part. Yep. That's pretty big part of his identity, but. You also yep. like have Dave Dave Chang. You have like I, I feel like there's like a lot more, and and it's understandable why the first generation of Asian Americans had to just be you know young professionals and and make money because mm-hmm. they had to make money. But now that there are more Asian creatives in the space, I think they're, they're they can begin to start telling stories and doing things that aren't always focused on the Asian. So mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and I think I see it happening. So yeah. And, and I, I think um, to your point, talk about, you know, um, you saying that, you know, the first generation had to be, um, I guess, young professionals like that. That's really talking about art through uh, an economic lens. Just, you know, the first generation just need to hustle because otherwise how, how can they find a hooding of not hooding a footing in society? And I feel like, you know, talk, taking this economic lens, if we look at, um, Asian art in, in Asia, I think that's that's part of the reason for its resurgence is purely just because Asia is simply wealthier. And, um, you know, like, like I, I love a, a lot of American art and a lot of American, I guess, fashion and stuff, you know, jeans and, you know, stuff like that. that that's really cool. But I think part of the reason it got so famous, T-shirts, Mickey Mouse, Disneyland, all this stuff was because from the 50s to, you know, the early 2000s, America was the undisputed uh, economic capital, and and I think mm-hmm. I think the shift, um, you know, as Korea or Japan or you know uh, Thailand get you know get wealthier, I think art will increasingly try to move towards that that um, or I guess at least draw from that a little more. And um, have you have you watched um the trailer for uh, Snake Eyes or yeah have you watched any other like a- Asian art recently, uh, whether it's um. Uh, uh, what's it called? Raya, Raya, and the um... uh, Last Dragon. Yeah, right? Raya and the Last Dragon. It's like, yeah, I, I guess I know I'm throwing a lot at you again, but uh, have you watched any Asian art recently? And then, w- um... what's your response to the uh, to, to to my comment about saying that just the the economics, the simple economics of Asia, will inherently draw more Asian creators towards that sort of uh, storytelling or those sort of values from Asia? That's Hmm. It's. I, I guess I haven't really considered um, Asian American art in the context of like uh, the influence of Asia. Only, only in that the now you know 
because of China's rise and and how it's set up against the West now, it's in you know in, it's in the media's interest now to like often portray China as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, like only only in that context, I would say. Let me let me think. What have I seen? I'm just looking at my letterbox right now. Um, I watched Boogie, which was uh, Eddie Huang's film, but that wasn't very much. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. You know, like I, I have a thing where I, I try to watch as much Asian art as possible. Right, right. Um, or Asian, Western Asian art, and part of the reason is, I guess, as as someone who's trying to write a book or, you know, really at the end stages of writing a book, like I've always been interested in art. Uh, I've always, you know, as an English teacher as well, I've always loved art. But um, I, another reason I do it is just to keep, a, you know, a finger on the pulse of like, you know, a, you know, like the Asian community. And um, there was this, um, there's been a few like over the moon and stuff, uh, cartoons. Um, oh, yes. Rare seen, Lust I, Dragon, yeah. where it, it, it tends to like, once again, talking about like you know the, the growing influence on on of Asia on Asians, like a lot of these stories are centered in Asia, like they're centered in mm. you know Hong Kong or they're centered in you know uh, Osaka or something like that. So I feel like there's a general shift, you know, towards that that direction just because of the cultural and economic capital of Asia. What do you? Think? I mean, I, I I see what you mean with like I'm just looking at this list of movies i like like tiger tail is a lot like that and like one of my i really liked um the farewell yep i liked farewell. yeah yep. yeah and, and the farewell is definitely like that but even then i think it's it was a lot of it was a most of what i've seen is still in the asia westernized asian goes back to asia and wow it's different <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and i guess I still don't see. I guess maybe it's just this 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 prejudice I'm still holding in that I I see the the I see like a gulf between Asian American and Asian Asian, and I don't necessarily think it will be bridged. Well, at least not for a while. Like there there definitely is um, a cultural bridge. Um, I guess my point is more. I think as time progresses, that bridge will inherently uh, lessen. I, I think compared to um, what the art was saying 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, okay. I think there's been quite a change. I don't know. That's my opinion. What do you think? Um, I Okay. In fairness, I, do, I don't necessarily see it in um, based on the, like, new, the new art that is coming out, but I do see it based on just like public opinion, like you mentioned, the how it's become more socially acceptable to be into into anime and manga, and more socially acceptable to be into the entire Korean Korean K-pop songs, mm-hmm. Korean dramas, mm-hmm. and um, and like yeah, like watching things with subtitles has become like more acceptable. Like Korean Korean cinema is having it's it's like a huge heyday right now, mm-hmm. and I think that like society as a whole is coming around to it. And I think obviously Asian Americans are, 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 are at the front of this sort of charge. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I would, I, I don't, I guess I just haven't seen enough art where, where I, I, I see it's the, the strong Asian influence on the Asian American production. 
Yeah. I think, um, I, yeah, I, I see some truth in what you're saying and that the art from, you know, from Asian America, it might simply try to reach towards, um, you know, Asian values or even use Asian aesthetics. But uh, yes, I think yes. fundamentally there is still a cultural gap. But I, I think that's that's inevitable. Like even if you look at, you know, within the continent of Asia, like, you know, like Japan and Korea or, you know, Thailand and, you know, uh, um, Indonesia, you know, like these places are, you know, somewhat close to each other and they share cultural um, similarities. But but uh, I think fundamentally it would inherently be some differences. And I, I think, you know, uh, I, I don't think our points contradict. I, I think it's mm-hmm. natural to have that, but um, I still see overall like this uh, general trend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll keep my eyes peeled for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so... I guess I'll return back to uh, another question that uh, that I asked before, which is where do you want the art to go? Like, what are some ideas you would like the, uh, I guess, new age or I guess the most recent movement of Asian art to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, one problem I've had with sort of Asian American stuff and um, this, once again, this could just be me not seeking out more of the content, but is I I find that Asian American stuff is off is very often like quite big studio, quite commercialized. It's like the distribution is quite widely available, and, and that's that's not a problem. But that like it doesn't seem it seems to be very commercial. Can you give a me an example? Of, like for example, like Crazy Rich Asians. Ah, uh-huh. okay, yep, that's right. The most obvious yeah, like, example. Yeah, yeah this, that that I mean, yeah, that is that is the example that comes to mind. And like, obviously, there's like smaller stuff, indie indie stuff that comes out. But even like, like Tiger Tail, I, I think it was like a Netflix distribution. And like, it's it's good. It's good that this sort of stuff exists. But I I can't help thinking that like art needs to needs to come out of. I'm I'm. I'm just surprised that it's so it's so already it's so mainstream already. And maybe once again, maybe it's because I'm I'm maybe I'm pulling at strings here and I haven't I just haven't taken the time to look to look at the more independent stuff that's coming out. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, that's that's one aspect of it. Um and the other aspect is like uh something I touched on earlier with the with the Asian American culture. Um I I don't like. I want the art to to be the backbone of of this of this culture, right? Like, and I think art can be can be what drives the culture forward. And I don't want you know the thing that we as Western Asians to rally around is like crazy rich Asians. No, I, no, yeah, good, right. Or, good lord, no. Or, or or like bubble tea, or like I mean, and once again, <laughs> Asian American culture is young. It's it's growing. Um, mm. it's still small. And we, we need something, but um, yeah, that's I, I, I wanted to see uh, yeah that, that that's I, I don't know where where uh, it will go, but I want to see something something beautiful and something something unique. Yeah, and and hopefully um you know talking about the the crazy rich Asians um like uh and maybe once again this talks about your I uh the point where it's unfair for us to expect any piece of art to, you know, to, I guess, cover all demographics. But obviously, Crazy Rich Asians talks about a select, you know, few, which most people, uh, not even talking about Asians, cannot 
relate to. Like, mm-hmm. like one percent of the one percent can relate to the um the lifestyle of you know of people that rich. And, and in in a way, like, I think that makes it almost impossible to build a culture around that. So, um, yeah. And, and and another thing with crazy rich Asians is it also kind of sets up the like the Asian American versus Asian Asian like dichotomy where like Candace mm-hmm. Wu is is the is us and mm-hmm. she is going to do battle with with like for lack of a better term like the matriarch. China Ye- yellow peril yeah exactly right and um but once again like I think if it wasn't for crazy rich Asians we wouldn't have seen the investment in the sort of Asian art that we've had of late so mm-hmm. I don't know it's it's hard it's hard it's hard to tell where, where do you where do you want Asian art to go Oh, um, you know, fundamentally, I think uh, this is going to be somewhat of a cop-out answer. <laughs> I think uh, fundamentally, it's it's not possible to, you know, direct art. Like, it it inherently has to be spontaneous. Any sort of cultural movement has to be somewhat spontaneous for there to be any lasting legacies. So I don't know where it will go. I have, um, I guess my hope would be that it uh, looks... It's less dismissive of Asia. I, I think that that would be a hope. Mm-hmm. It's less um, antagonistic towards people from Asia, like you know the uh, you know the fobs. You know the, the, yes. once again using that sw- that slur. Um, and I hope it moves away from the almost the trauma of the stinky tofu story. And mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, I think we can explore more things than having some some guy some jock with a football or basketball you know push our drink bottle or our bulba tea out of our hands i i think it can be more than that yeah i mean i could talk all day about this but like uh geez i've been reading i've been trying to read more like asian american like literature too i, I read interior chinatown i don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of charles Yu. no unfortunately and, not yeah he's like he's like a pretty um the book is called Interior Chinatown. So, like, once again, this is more focused on the Asian American identity. Um, you know, that's that's actually something that um, maybe I, uh, that I wanted to say, which is there isn't much literature on on the Asian American experience, mm-hmm. or you know, like I guess Western uh, Asian experience. There, right, there really right. isn't that much literature. The only book um, I can actually maybe I can think of two books: um, Joy Luck Club, which I haven't which I haven't read uh, or watched. I, I think that was a book and a film, I think. And yes, also yes. Um, uh, Chinese Cinderella, which uh, I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't read that. I haven't heard of that one. Who's who's that one by? I think, no, I think that's, a, that's an Australian, um, Australian Chinese or oh. Asian Australian person. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised that you haven't heard of it. But uh, that's, that, cool. that's one of the texts that we, at my current school, we have to study for in English. Oh, yeah year seven i think so that's that's pretty cool um hey that's awesome yeah yeah that 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 is a that is a pretty cool aspect um the the australian education um like any other education has its obvious negatives but i think there are some positives um that some of the they they have tried to update the text and uh you know i do give them credit for that yeah each of our our countries has their share of problems with uh that's true, but you know what? To be honest, like um, you know, and, and maybe this is a uh, this is I'm ending on a on a on a pacifist, uh, sort of uh, tone. But you know, I, I really feel like you could say that about any country. Any any country has its negatives, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's dark history, it's positive. And and to be honest, um, a lot of the media from Asia 
comes with like quite I guess questionable values as well and, and just like any mm-hmm. other area like for example if we were to look at k-pop for example for example the the values or just the uh, the aesthetics or, or the contracts or the working conditions of those uh those idols you know they're, they're not always right. very good either um but it is very it, it is very catchy and very aesthetic i, I guess so it, it does sell out but um uh, yeah i think every country has its uh has its yeah. flaws yeah. and um for sure but that's why we should. That's why we talk about this. Is because um, if we don't, if we don't challenge, you know, the the, uh, the narrative, then I think we leave ourselves exposed by what the people creating the narrative want us to absorb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, this is true. Like, I at some point in in the Canadian edu- or the Ontario education system, we had to take these media literacy classes. Which we all thought were so dumb, but like this was like an elementary school. But mm-hmm. kind of think of it, this is like it's it's super important to yeah. to understand what the this sort of culture factory wants us to see, think, and feel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. cool. Um, anyway, I think we'll end it there. So, um, thank you, Chris, and thank you for tuning in. I'm sure we'll have him on uh, in the future, and we'll have another fresh topic for you guys. So, take it easy. Catch ya. Thank you for tuning into Safety Lost with Stanley Ching. If you enjoyed this, then please leave a rating or a comment. I hope you're leaving with a new idea and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other places that can be found in the description.